Praise God, praise God. Would you stand please and reach your hands out this direction. We'll receive the, the minister from Brother Doug. I, I failed to mention too, now you, you oversee the, the RMAI? Yes, sir. The Raymond Ministerial yes, Association. Sir. And all the alumni. Also. Bunch of ministers and alumni. Brother nice. Doug oversees that. Does a great job. Reach your hands out this way. Father, we receive you, Jesus. your ministry through uh, Brother Doug. Give him utterance, we Thank pray, you, Lord. God. Help him to speak as the oracles of God. And give us all ears to hear it and eyes to see it. And uh, exactly what Thank you know Jesus. we need to see and hear right now. Answers, directions, help. We receive the gift you've sent uh, as we receive you. And we bless him with our words in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. Please. Thank you, <clears throat> Hallelujah. Let's, I'll tell you what. Turn around and shake hands with that one next to you. If you're around a visitor, greet them. Find out what their name is. Learn where they're from. is to be here with Brother Keith and Miss Phyllis. love you guys more than you ever know. I hate to admit it, but I probably was one of those that made him mad in the past. <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget it as long as I live. And we were working together as, as instructors. And um, I found out later on that Brother Keith had uh, taken each one of us full-time instructors uh, individually, and had sowed a major gift into each one of us. I didn't find that out till probably a year later than when he did that. Hi, Brother Reggie. Good seeing you. And um, uh, took one of our one of our teachers and asked him, "What is it that you want that you've never been able to?" And I believe it was a very pretty expensive camera. And Brother Hagin and Brother Keith sewed that into his. So when Brother Keith, here again, that was years later that I found out about it. But uh, my encounter, we had just bought a, a van. And uh, we're just a little family. And we have, two, we have two children. They're grown now. But back in those days, they were young. And um, never forget, as long as I live, Brother Keith walked up to me. And said, um, how much do you owe on that van? And I said, oh, Brother Keith, you know. And I just fumbled around, you know. And finally he worked it out of me. And uh, so he just kind of, just for a second, just kind of held back just for a little bit, you know. And, and um, he said, you know, I, I don't have that kind of money right now. But uh, would you let me make your payments for you each month? And I know I put up a fight. I know I did. I apologize, Brother Keith. Hope that I wasn't the one you were talking about, but <clears throat> but he'll never know what kind of a blessing that was to my wife and I and to our family at that time. Ephesians chapter three, if you will. Aren't you glad for the word of God? What a privilege it is to be here with you all in Sarasota and all those that are over the internet. 
I'll have to admit, when Phyllis began to talk about the guy in the banquet sitting up, or you kind of freaked me out just for a little while. Didn't know really what you were doing until I realized you're talking to the people that are on the internet. So um, <laughs> I thought she was seeing things that I just could not see. <laughs> kind of like years ago when Brother Hagen used to say, you know, the glory cloud was coming in. And I'm sorry, but I was young at the time. And so any time that he would ever say that, I'd always turn around and I'd squint my eyes, just real, trying to see that glory cloud, you know. And I never did see it, but uh, anyway, so, and I thought maybe that was happening with Phyllis right then. And just a different type of a manifestation that I had never seen before. So, <clears throat> you know, you never know from one church to the next, just exactly what they're going to be involved in, you know. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3. Paul says these words in verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. This issue of family. We're a family. We've been placed into a family. The health and the well-being of the family is not just dependent upon the ministry gifts, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. All of us within the family have a family responsibility toward one another. And much of the health of the family is dependent upon our interaction with one another as believer to believer. It's not all about ministry to believers. Yes, that that area is important, but this area of family member to family member. If you go through the Word of God, it's it's an interesting study. Go, go, Go and search out the word one another. And when you look at that word one another and find everywhere it's found in the New Testament, it's an amazing picture as to what it paints as some of the responsibility that we have toward one another. How many of you know we're to comfort one another with our words? How many of you know we're to forgive one another? We're to love one another? We're to encourage one another? How many of you know this? How many of you know that we're actually called by God to actually teach one another? Go with me if you were to Hebrews chapter 5. It is called family responsibilities. It's called taking upon yourself, if you will, the responsibility that that is yours within the family. You know as well as I do that, you know, when the kids are at home, the responsibility is to take out the trash, to mow the yard, to wash the car. Well, we we have family responsibilities within the body of Christ. Listen to what it says here in Hebrews chapter 5. And I want to begin reading, if you will, with verse 12. Hebrews chapter 5. In verse 12, Paul says these words, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. Now you know as well as I do that in the body of Christ there are individuals that are anointed into the teaching office. Uh, Brother Keith has that anointing. And, And there's specifically individuals that are separated to teach, anointed by God. Five-fold ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, this is not talking about these ministry gifts. 
This is talking about you and I who sit in the pews. You and I who are just normal believers. Listen to what Paul says, that by now you you ought to have been teachers. Even though we're not all called into the office of a teacher, every single one of us has a responsibility. Listen to me now very carefully. Because a teacher, all the teacher does is to pass on what they know to others. As believers who sit in the pews, we have a family responsibility that we are to pass on what we know to others. We are to teach others. Can I put it to you like this? It ought to be common practice for every one of us in this church and every one of us in the body of Christ that when we encounter a new convert, it ought to be common practice for you to, for you to take them to your kitchen, sit them down, and teach them how to live by faith. And teach them how to walk in love. You ought to be able to teach them how to, how to forgive. You ought to be able to teach... The very basics of Christianity should be so commonly known among all of us that, that any time we encounter someone that's struggling in some of these areas, you and I, you and I ought to be able to set them down and teach them and instruct them and bring clarity and understanding to these particular issues. He says, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as need as have milk and not strong meat. He says, by now you should have been progressing to where you ought to be passing on what you know to others. There comes a time and a point to where we all have to recognize there are some subjects that it shouldn't take a pastor or it shouldn't take an anointed teacher to pass on to a new convert. We, we, we in the body of Christ have a little bit of a family responsibility here. We can't be just laying it all on the pastor. We can't just be laying it off on the, on, on the church staff. We have a responsibility here. Go with me if you will to Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. Here is another family responsibility that we have been given by Paul. First, uh, Galatians chapter 6. And I want to begin reading, if you will, with verse 1. Now, once again, this is not written to ministry gifts. This is not written to the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is written to laity. It's written to the church of Galatia. And listen to what he says here in chapter 6 in verse 1. He says these words, Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now what's he talking about here? He says, Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault. In other words, he's simply saying, the people that sit in the pews, I'm talking to you. He said, if you see an individual that's overtaken in a fault, well, now what are we talking about? We're talking about Galatians chapter 5, verses 19, 20, and 21. In context, we're talking about the works of the flesh. Anytime you see someone that's gotten over into adultery or fornication or homosexuality and lesbianism, that, that word uncleanness, lasciviousness, all these areas. He said, if you see an individual that's been overtaken by one of these faults, the Bible tells you, members of the family, are to go in their lives and begin to restore them. But what are we doing? We're taking them to the church. He says, you have a responsibility to restore them. That means you, you're capable of it. But here again, so much has been laid off on the, on the church staff and the church. There is some family responsibilities that we have here. We have a responsibility to pass on what we know to others. 
We have, a, we have a responsibility, if you will, to restore the fallen. We have that kind of responsibility. Go with me, if you would, to Acts. Acts chapter 20. We're talking about family responsibility. Getting involved with the family. This is not a spectator sport. This is full in. This is everybody involved. And listen to what it says here. This is a, an amazing chapter. I wish I could explain this chapter like I, like I, like I love to. Paul... Paul is on his um, third missionary journey, and uh, he's on his way to Jerusalem with an offering uh, that, that, he, that he's collected. And uh, he gets into uh, Miletus. Now, when he gets into Miletus, he begins to realize, it's been prophesied, that some tough stuff's going to happen to him in Jerusalem. And so, um, so, so while he's there in Miletus, he gets to thinking, man, I'm really close to Ephesus. And Ephesus is just up the road. It's the longest place that he ever stayed in any, any of his missionary journeys. On his second missionary journey, he stayed there three years. He taught them the word of God. Ministered to them. Loves these people. Has a relationship with these guys. And so from Miletus, he calls all the elders of the church down into Miletus. And he has a meeting because he, he doesn't know what's going to happen to him in Jerusalem. In fact, he actually comes to the conclusion that uh, this could be the end of my life. In fact, he says later on that I'll never see you again. They started crying. He was wrong. He does see them after his first Roman imprisonment. But at this stage of the game, Paul actually thought, I will never see you again. And how many of you know that when you think you'll never see an individual ever again, you're going to talk about the most important things. You're going to talk about the most necessary things. And Paul delivered to them a message. It's found in verses 28, 29, and 30. And listen to what he says here. He says, to the leaders of the church at Ephesus, you pay attention to yourself. And you pay attention unto, your, unto the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you an overseer to feed the church of God, to feed the church of God, to teach the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. You pay attention to yourself and you pay attention to the flock. Feed them, feed them, for I know this. That after my departing, grievous wolves will enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one of you night and day with tears. Look at what he says in verse 29. He says, I know that after I leave, he says, that, that grievous wolves are going to enter in. And also among your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. What's he saying here? He's simply saying this. When I leave, false doctrine is going to come from without, and false doctrine is going to come from within. He said, I'm warning you. I'm warning you. Now what that tells me is this. If you read this passage very closely... It's very clear here that what Paul is telling the leaders of the church at Ephesus is that you cannot keep false doctrine out of the church. You cannot keep it from coming from without, and you cannot keep it from arising from within. But, as a leader, you are to feed your church well enough with the truth so that when it arrives, they can identify it quickly and easily. Now, we're talking about family responsibilities here. And all of a sudden, it dawns on me, that means then that we ought to be taught so well that when a, that when a, that when a, a man makes a statement, 
that you're not looking at the back of his head to determine whether or not he is going to agree or disagree with what the man just said. And you know that every one of us have done it. All of a sudden, you get a guest speaker in here. Now, maybe not here. He's pretty picky. And, uh, and I'm honored that, that I'm here. I come in here with fear and trembling. <laughs> but, but, and Phyllis has been so sweet texting me. I thought, glory to God. But the thing about it so, is this, it, it, is that Keith's not always going to be around when you hear a false idea, when you hear a false truth. And we should know the Word of God so well that we don't need the back of His head to determine whether or not it's truth or not. Come on, guys. We should be able to to determine. That's a family responsibility that we have. Whether you're listening to a a CD or listening to something on TV or reading a book. or I mean, that should just be ingrained within us that I I have a responsibility. I can tell whether or not that statement's off or not. Do you see here? It's a family responsibility. Judges chapter 2. But there is a family responsibility that I'm very concerned about. The more I watch the church, the more I observe all that's going on. My office is a very peculiar office in that I can, I can see much more than just Tulsa. And there's a verse that's becoming more and more troublesome to me. It's found in Judges chapter 2, in verse 10. And also, all that generation that were gathered unto their fathers, Joshua's generation, the men that lived on after Joshua had passed away, and also all that generation were gathered unto the fathers, And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord. What you have seen and what you have heard can be lost in the transfer from one generation to the next. There arose a generation that did not know the Lord. As I talk to the Ramah students that are coming in, I am shocked at what they do not know. I'm shocked at what they have not seen. It saddens my heart. But the responsibility of passing our faith on to our children and our grandbabies is more placed upon us parents and grandparents than it is the church. We have a responsibility to pass our faith on to our children and our grandbabies. Anything that the church does should only subsidize what we're doing in our homes. It should be an encouragement to us that they're saying the same things that we're saying at home. But the thing about it is, is so much, so much is being done in the church world from the platforms that I'm not hearing a whole lot of people with confidence speaking their faith, talking about their experiences with God, with their children, and with their grandbabies. Listen to what it says here in Deuteronomy chapter 4. 
Deuteronomy chapter 4. In verse 9, he says these words. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 9. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, lest they depart from thy heart all the days of your life. But teach them, underline it, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Every responsibility. Deuteronomy chapter 6, very familiar passage to all of us. I'm sure Brother Keith and Miss Phyllis has spoken along these lines as they talk about family. Chapter 6 and verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee all this day shall be in thy heart. And thou shalt teach them, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house. I don't think this passage is all is talking about a set time that you set each day to, to talk about the Lord. To me, this is a this is a this is an ever on our mind, but it also takes advantages of, of certain opportunities that we that we come up against throughout the day. Listen to what he says here. He says, Unto thy children and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them. I I, I think we have a responsibility to talk about these things. Begin to share our experiences that we've had with God and our understandings that we have of God throughout the day with our children and with our grandbabies. So I want to talk a little bit about this. You know, I had an individual, a friend of mine, ask me this question the other day. Have your children ever heard you talk about how you got born again from any place other than the podiums that you've spoken into? And I'll have to admit, I must have been, I must have had this blank look on my face because all of a sudden I admitted to that person, I have never sat my kids down and talked to them how I got born again. I've talked about it from the podium, but I, I am not to allow that and that only to be my voice into my children's lives and in my grandbabies' lives. Have you, have you talked to your kids about how you got filled with the Holy Ghost? Have you shared with them that experience? How much, how much, of, our, how much of the life of God that we have in us have we really passed on to our kids in conversation, sharing with our children? I don't know, it just seems to me that if we, if we get real comfortable talking about these things with our, with our, with our children and with our, with our spouses and with our relatives and with our, with our grandbabies, I think it would be a lot easier for us to share about these things on the job and in the community. There's just something about this. Another area that you can begin to share um, with your family about is the times that you've been led by the Spirit of God. Number of number of months ago, I was led to begin to kind of do a memory dump, if you will, about the times that I've been led by the Spirit. And it seemed like the Lord was telling me, I want you to go back 
and I want you to go back from the very first time that you can remember me leading you and, and just kind of map that out. And so I begin to, I begin to take it on as a project. And I begin to map out, and there were some things that I'd forgotten, I'd have to insert them. But, um, but it's been an amazing journey for me. And I'm going to encourage each and every one of us tonight to, first of all, to look back into your Christian life and, and kind of go back to the very first time you ever remember the leading of the Lord in your life and, and begin to rehearse that. Because then go to the second time. And I think that you'll find, like I found, that the more you do that, the more quickly, the quickly, the, the, the quicker you will become aware of the fact that the Holy Ghost has been much more involved in your life than you've ever imagined. For some reason, you know, we as human beings, we kind of go negative all the time. And if you're not real careful, you come to the conclusion, well, you know, Brother Keith, he's led, and Miss Phyllis, she's led, and, 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 and but, but, but not the Lord, you'd be surprised when you start mapping it out just how much the Lord's been involved in your life. You'd be surprised. The very first time that I was led by the Spirit of God. Well, I was about a 15, 16-year-old young man. I'm a sinless of God young man. I grew up in the sinless of God. I'm running around with the deacon's kids, the preacher's kids. I can actually sing in the choir. I can't sing like Brother Keith can, but I, but I, I was in the choir. I'm one of those guys that if I stand next to somebody that can sing, then I can sing. How many of you are out there with me on that? There, thank you very much. But if I get by somebody who can't sing, then I'm, I'm just as bad as they are or worse. But the, thing, but the thing about it is, is, is all of a sudden, you know, uh, I'm sitting and serving. Now, back in those days, Assemblies uh, of God, Adrian, Michigan, Bethany, Assemblies of God. And, um, and uh, you know, back in those days, all the youths always sat in one section in, in the back. And so I was in the kind of church that, uh, that uh, you start getting real loud back there. The pastor would stop dead in his tracks. You guys back there, if you're not careful, I'll send you back to your mamas. And nobody, nobody, nobody wanted to be. How many of you remember those church days? Nobody wanted to go back to the mamas. No, no, send us back to mamas. We'll straighten up. We'll quiet. We'll get to listening again. So anyway, so I'm since Sunday night. Now, see, I've grown up in this church, but I'm not spirit-filled. Hadn't even been thinking about it. I mean, not one thing about it. Hadn't been reading about it. Hadn't been nothing about it. And um, even though my mama was filled with the Holy Ghost and, and all my, you know, most of my friends were, I, I just never gave it much thought, to be honest with you about it. I'm sitting back there, and the pastor was giving an altar call, and I got my, got my hands you know, over my eyes, and my, my knees are in my elbows. We're sitting in the pews. And um, then he started talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And all of a sudden, on the inside, I knew this is my night. I mean, it was out of the clear blue. Amen. It's time to get filled with them. And I raised my hand without hesitation. And I went down, and, 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 and for some reason, the pastor must have thought that I must have brought somebody with me. Because, see, I grew up in that church. Everybody knows me. And I guess they thought that I was already spirit-filled. And so he left me out of the circle as he led these, these guys and these girls into the baptism. He, he actually left me out. And so I went ahead and sat on the front row, I was about, from, about right here. I sat in the front row and just listened to what he had to say, and I just followed his instructions, and I was filled with the Holy Ghost to begin to speak with other tongues. I find it very interesting. Brother Keith said it up there while he was, while he was admonishing us. I find it very interesting that I wasn't filled with the Spirit of God, but I was still led by the Spirit of God. He is within us. He is within us. He'll lead you. He'll lead you. 
And the biggest, the biggest, bestest thing that he could lead me into as a 15 or 16 year old young man was the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues and opened up a whole nother world for me. Can I have an amen? amen. Gave me a whole nother access to a whole nother arena that I never had access to before. And so he, so he began to, so that was the first time, the first time. The second time happened a couple of years later. We're talking about, we're talking about, if you will, the fall, the winter time of 1973. And I had been dating this young lady for a, for a couple of years. And we were kind of the couple. Everybody knew us, you know, and we weren't engaged, weren't planning on getting engaged. But, um, uh, but you know, uh, we were, we were an item. And, um, so, uh, all of a sudden, toward the, toward the, the, the fall and the winter of 1973, I kept getting, here again, not been taught much about being led by the Spirit of God. I kept getting on the inside that I needed to break it off with her. I kept getting that. Nothing wrong with the relationship at all, but I just kept getting that. And uh, I shoved it aside for quite a while and didn't do anything with it for a couple of couple of weeks, you know. But it kept coming on me. And so finally, I'll never forget as long as I live. I went ahead and called her up and asked her for, you know, a date. So we got in the car Went to a place to eat, and I began to share with her. Didn't tell her the Lord. Didn't say anything about my being led, nothing. I, I just said, I think it's time. She started crying, I started crying. Long story short, we cried all the way back to her house. I went ahead and opened the door, got her out of the car. That's what you did back in those days. And, um, and uh, uh, walked her up to the door. That's what you did back in those days. And um, gave her a big hug, kissed her on the cheek. And we both bawled, and I turned around and I left. And I bawled all the way home. And on Pentecost Highway, by Adrian Tipton, Michigan, I pointed to the Lord, and with all, with all due respect, you better provide somebody better than this one. <laughs> and he did, got my wife. Wow. But the point of the matter is simply this, is I, I, I just knew now, now, the thing about it is, at the time, you wonder, you know, what's up here. Right. But, um, but in the, uh, in August of 1974, I'm working at a chemical factory. And um, I was an A operator. I was doing very well. I had a brand new car. I paid for it in six months. I had actually put money down on a six-acre piece of property that I was going to uh, 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 build out. There was a kind of a high high part of that property. Then it kind of dipped down. There was a creek down at the bottom. Of it. I was going to bulldoze all that out. And I was going to go ahead and make it into an investment property, build a house. I was 21 years of age, 20, 20 21 years of age. And uh, doing very well. And so I'm working at this job. I'm an A operator. That means I train people to do, to do what I do. And um, getting paid very well and everything's going really well. I got home. We worked swing shift. Seven days on afternoons, one day off, seven days on day shift, two days off, seven days on night, midnights, and got four days off. Did that for a number of years. But um, came home, and on the coffee table, there was a card. And I just picked that card up, and it introduced a place called Rama. This is August of 1974. Rama didn't start until September of 1974. Come to find out, my wife was the, was the receptionist of Kenneth Hagin Ministries at the time, and she, she's the one that actually mailed that card to my mama's house. Wow. Then my mama has supported Brother Hagin for 
well, since the 60s. And um, so anyway, I picked that card up, and all of a sudden I heard on the inside, go. <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. No, ain't going to go there. No, don't know what this is, school is about. I, this is the first year you don't have a clue. You don't even know it's going to be there next year, the next year or not. And I got this great, I got this great car. I got this great piece of property that I'm going to build on. I just put escrow money down. My dad's perking the land to see whether or not it's going to perk out. No. And so I laid the car down. Two weeks later, I don't know why that card was still on that, on that coffee table. Two weeks later, I got home from work one day and I just happened to see that card again. I picked that card up and on the inside I heard the word go. I, I, I said, and I talked to mom. I talked to mom about it. This is the second time I keep, I keep getting this on this. I don't know what this is all about. I'd only heard Brother Hagen one time. Toledo, Ohio. I took my, I took the girl that I just dumped, uh, uh, for a date, you know. But I didn't really buy any Brother Hagen's books, you know. I wasn't there to listen to him. I was, I was there for a date. And so, and so, um, uh, and so, and so I asked my mom, I said, call them because the day that I picked that card up the second time is the day the school started. Wow. Call them and see if they'll take somebody two weeks late because I got to give a two week notice where I work. And so they called. And of course, back in those days, first chart, the charter class, they take anybody that breathed, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and we started out with 72 students. We ended up with 58. So there were some. That should have never been, never, never been accepted. But anyway, it's another story. And, um, and so, um, so uh, I went ahead and gave my notice, blah, 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 and ended up in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, two weeks late, started at Raymond Baba Training Center with 72 other students, started to study. For what? I don't know. Don't know why I'm here. All I know is that I heard a go. As I look back in my own personal life, listen to me now very carefully. I have only had one gogi in my life. It was that gogi to go to Ramah. I'm talking about out of the clear blue. Wasn't thinking about it, wasn't chasing after it, wasn't, wasn't dreaming it, wasn't meditating upon it, didn't have it in my vision, didn't have it in my goals. It was just out of the clear blue, I got to go. I find that the majority of people that I talk to have about the same amount of goes in their past that I've had. I haven't had a whole lot of out of the clear blue, a complete change of direction. Just out of, and I got to thinking about it. Now, Brother Keith probably could help me here, but uh, I can only think of two goes that Paul ever received. The first go ye that Paul received was on the road to Damascus. Changed his life, changed the course of his life when he yielded to it. The second go ye out of the clear blue that, that Paul got was the Macedonian call in second, second, in second missionary journey from the city of Troas. But I cannot find any place else where Paul ever got a go ye than those two places. As I look back over my life, I've only had, I've only had one go ye out of the clear blue. I find that the majority of people, for some reason, when they're looking for the leadership of the Lord, they're getting in their prayer closet, and they're looking for one of those go-yees. 
but the majority of us, to be honest with you about it, you're not going to be led that way. I want you to go with me, if you will, to Acts, the book of Acts. And I want you to notice here in Acts chapter, book of Acts, if you will, Acts chapter 16. The majority of us, if we look back in our past, and listen, guys, we need to help. I'm talking about passing these things on to your children. I'm talking about bringing these things up and talking about these for our children. If anybody needs to be led by the Spirit of God, it's our children. Yes, we need to talk to them about our, our salvation experience. Yes, we need to talk to them about our baptism of the Holy Spirit experience. We need to talk to them if we've had any of the goes out of the clear blue. I mean, change the course of your, of your life without you ever, you know, thinking about it, dreaming about it, you know, meditating on it. I mean, just out of the clear blue, you, you knew God said go, and so you obeyed. That's what happened to me when I went to Ramah. But the majority of us, if you look at the rest of my life, and we'll talk about it in a moment, the rest of my life was a whole lot of not spending hours and hours and hours in a prayer closet, but gathering up all the information that I can about that particular area. And then after I felt good about all that, then with prayer, with sensitivity to the Spirit of God, you take a step towards toward it. And if you take a step toward it, and you don't get a, a hesitation or a check, well, then you take the next step toward it. And if you don't get a hesitation or a check about that, well, then you need... But the instant you get a hesitation, the instant that you get that little check on the inside, all of a sudden, then you back away. And then all of a sudden, you look for another option, another direction in which way to go. This is the majority of the way that I found the people that I've ministered to and, and my friends as we've talked about these things. The majority of us have gotten our leadings as we take a step towards something. And then all of a sudden you, you, get, a, you get a hesitancy about it. Oh, all right then. And, and um, how many of you have ever done something and you knew while you were doing it you shouldn't be doing it? We've all done that. Isn't that right? That was the Spirit of God endeavoring to lead you, endeavoring to guide you. Look at what happens here on, on Paul's second missionary journey. Look at what happens here in, um, I want to begin reading, if you will, in Acts chapter 16. Acts 16. And I want to begin reading with verse 6. Now Paul has um, begun his second missionary journey. He said, he said to Barnabas, let's just go and check up and see how everybody's doing. That means then he's going to go back to Galatia. He's going to go back to Iconium and Antioch and, and, and Derby and Lystra. And he's going to see how they do. Let's just go see how they do. Barnabas wanted to take Mark, and you know the story, how that they split. So Paul chose Silas, and off they went. You don't hear about Paul, Barnabas and, and, and Mark for 14 years later, uh, but because but the, the Bible follows Paul and Silas from that point on. After they went ahead and, and found out how everybody was doing in, in Galatia, the Bible says that Paul took a step toward Asia and was forbidden of the Holy Ghost to go to Asia and preach the gospel in Asia. Look at what it says here. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Now when they had gone throughout Pergia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. That means that Paul, after he got done preaching the word in Galatia, he took a step toward Asia and, um, and, and the Holy Ghost forbid him. Then, then look at what he does. And after, and after they were come to Messiah... They essayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. 
all of a sudden, Paul ends up, you know, checking up and seeing how everybody's doing. He takes a step toward Asia, Spirit of God forbidding. He backed away from it, took a step toward Bithynia, and the Spirit of God forbidding to go to Bithynia. Then took a step toward Troas. He's fine there. Macedonian call. You know the rest of the story. But these two steps to Asia and Bithynia tells me this. Paul went wherever he wanted to go, except where the Holy Ghost told him not to go. Too many of us are waiting for, for that go ye to come upon us. And you may have some of that. But the thing about it is the majority of us are going to have to get moving a little tiny. It's a lot easier to steer a moving ship than it is a... And so the thing about it, you take that step toward it. And if you, if you get a check about it, well, then you, well, then you back away from it. i never forget my, uh, my wife and I were uh, in a quandary as to what to do. Our children are middle school students uh, and getting ready to go into middle school. Their elementary school is going into middle school. And the middle school that we needed to transfer our children into was a rough one, had bad reputation. And my wife and I were really in a quandary as to what to do. We kind of really, you know, dreaded sending our kids to that school. And so um, finally I told my wife, and we kept praying about it, and I couldn't get anything about it. So I told my wife, I said, let's schedule an appointment with the principal of that middle school, and let's get our kids, and, and let's go take a tour in, while classes are in session and sit in, the, sit in the classes. And so we did just that. I'm sitting in these little chairs... And, um, and the whole time I'm there, on the inside, mm-mm. I thought, oh, really? I kept getting, mm-mm. This ain't the place. After we got out of that place, I turned around to my wife and I said, what about it? She said, mm-mm. I said, then what are we going to do? She said, the, only, the, the, the other option that we have is a school that we'll have to transfer over into. We have to get special paperwork to be filled out, and we'll transfer. And I said, well, let's go check it out. Called for an appointment. Called the, called the principal. Got, got him to take us around. I mean, from the, almost the time that we're in the... From the time that we're in the... Uh, yeah. There was such a peace there. There was such a... Man, I, I knew. Totally different experience from the previous school. Because once again, it's to take a step towards something. Sometimes you just have to kind of get in the middle of it to determine whether or not it's the right thing for you to do. I'll never forget years ago, I had talked to Brother Hagen about the, uh, the Lord had kind of placed it within my heart that I would pastor for a while. Didn't know really how long, but that I would pastor for a while. So he just kind of encouraged me, you know, just take your time with it. And, uh, you know, let's just, let's just follow after the Lord. So I said, okay. So, I, so, so, so all of a sudden, one day, he called me to his office and said, um, I've got a cousin in Abilene, Texas, that's looking for an associate pastor. Some is a God church. You know, Doug, in, instead of just going directly from here to, to a full-time pastorate, you might be good to just accept a, an associate position. Why, why don't you pray about it, you know, see what you come up with. And so, um, so I begin to pray about that. I prayed a lot about it. Couldn't get a single thing about it. I mean nothing. So finally, after a couple of weeks, I finally told my wife, let's just schedule an appointment with this individual, and let's just go down to Abilene, Texas, and check this place out. 
And so, um, so, so, so we went ahead and scheduled a time. So we drove from Tulsa to Abilene in the summertime. Now, if you know anything about Abilene, Texas, it's hotter than here in the summertime. I mean, it's hot there. We're talking about West Tulsa, West, West Texas. And, um, so, um, so we're praying the majority of the way. Not saying too much, just being with one another. Back in those days, we didn't have kids, so so we're just kind of, you know, just her and I. And we're just praying about this thing. Prayed about the... I couldn't get anything about it. As God is my witness, the instant we crossed the city line, city of Abilene, on the inside, I heard these words. "Mm -mm." I thought, are you kidding me? You couldn't have told me that when I was in Tulsa. Are you serious? Really? Do you know how hot it is out here? We find our way to the pastor's home. I'm knocking at the door. On the inside, I got a... Oh, great. This is going to be a great night. And because Brother Hagen, that I'd worked for Brother Hagen, and like Brother Keith said, lived with him for a little over two years, and... um. I guess because of the report that Brother Hagen gave about me, this guy had already pretty well pigeonholed me that I was going to be the next associate pastor. He, he had it already pretty well lined out. So the next day that we're getting there, this is Saturday now, got there on a Friday, getting there on Saturday, he's going to take us to the parsonage that we're going to live in. And so we drive up to the place, and my wife is going, ooh, ah, yeah. And I, I kind of took a journey away from the tour. And I'm out back in the back bedrooms. And I'm just walking around, and on the inside, I go, mm-mm. No, no, no. My wife gets into the car, you know, and I say, well, honey, what do you think? Man, did you see that kitchen? Man, did you? I, say, I just wanted to say, just shut up. Just shut up. Just, you know. But, but the thing about it is, is I, there was just something in me that, mm-mm, this ain't it. This ain't it. Now, Sunday morning, I'm going to minister. The whole time I'm ministering, the whole time, mm-mm. I thought, are you serious? I got to minister to these people and you're going on the inside. Mm-mm. And so we got done with that service. We had a good service and everything. And uh, so we went out to eat with them. You know how they do, take you out to lunch. And so, so at the end of the lunch, the pastor kind of laid down everything, his fork and his everything. And he said, well, Brother Doug, he said, uh, what do you think? I just kind of said, uh, bowed my head. I said, sir, I said, sir, you got to find church. But uh, he said, don't say no more. He said, I've heard you teach. You don't need to be an associate pastor. You need to be a full-time pastor. You need to go on your way. And I said, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And and I went on my way. The thing about it is simply this. What would have happened? Come on, guys. There's something about taking that step. There's something about taking that step. There's something about taking that step. So the thing about it is, is oftentimes, you know, we're led in these areas. But what I found, and what I've kind of found interesting, as I uh, talk to different ones, so oftentimes people think that the only thing the Spirit of God will do in our lives is tell us where to go and what to do. But I found that the Spirit of God, in many ways, is like a diamond. But if you're not real careful, you'll get so taken up with the flat part of the diamond that you forget about there's a lot of other angles on that diamond that add to the luster of that diamond. Can I have an amen? amen? And I found that when it comes to talking about being led by the Spirit of God, I found that in many cases, if you're not real careful, 
the only time that we kind of expect the Spirit of God to kind of be active within our lives is when we need to know what to do and which way to go. But there's other facets that I want to talk about tonight. There's another facet that we need to be aware of and we need to share with our children the times that we've experienced these things. Is there'll be times when the Spirit of God will forewarn you of impending danger. There will be times where the Spirit of God will forewarn you of impending danger. You remember over there in the book of Acts? Paul's a prisoner. After his third missionary journey, he's now in a prison being taken to Rome. And he gets up to that, to that, to that port and he knows by the Spirit of God that this is going to be with danger. This, this, we ought not sail. And so he tried to convince the prison keeper and the prison keeper wouldn't listen to him. Tried to keep the, tried to get the captain to listen to him. Captain wouldn't, they sailed anyway. They all went swimming. They all lived. But it could have been prevented. They were being forewarned. They were being forewarned. And the things that they were forewarned about was not a victory report. It was about danger ahead. I'll never forget, in um, 1981, um, Brother Hagen asked me to come back and be an, uh, be an instructor at, at Rainbow Bible Training Center. And we'd been pastoring in Texas. And um, so we went ahead and sold our home. And we moved back from, from, from Tyler, Texas, back to Tulsa. And we rented an apartment for six months. Now, my wife has always been more of a go-getter than I am. I'm kind of the person that if I can get stuck, if I can get in a rut, then I'll stay there till Jesus comes. I mean, I just, you know, but she's, she's wanting to increase and she's wanting, you know, and, and, and so improve. And, and so she got it in her craw to, that I want to buy a house. So I, I just gave, I said, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm comfortable here at this apartment. I'm good to go. You know, I got all my stuff stored in the right places that I wanted to store it in. And, uh, and I'm just good. But um, she, so she found this house. And we ended up purchasing that house. And um, so we're in the house a week. Now, this is a new neighborhood for us. This is a new area for us. And I kept getting on the inside that somebody was going to break into the garage door, the back garage door. Now, the back garage door is one of those three foot by whatever. And it's got a full upper, upper half panel of glass. And I did not see them break that glass because it was a full, just one panel. It wasn't any, you know, bars on it or anything. It was just one panel, just, just a single, single, single panel glass. Could have popped it with a ring, you know, broken. And, but I didn't see them come in that way. I saw them jimmy that lock with a tire iron. And I saw them push that door in and rob us. And I kept getting that. And I thought to myself, okay, wait, wait, wait. This, that's fear. And so I, I kept pushing it down. And I kept pushing it down over a number of days. Because, you know, we're in a new neighborhood. Don't know who, who we're living next to. Don't live, know who, who's across the street. We just don't know. I thought it was just fear from that standpoint. And, um, and so um, I actually saw myself take a two by six and put it up against the door jam of that door because the door, the door swung in into the garage. To where, and then screw a bunch of screws in to keep somebody from pushing that door in and getting in. I actually saw myself do that. But I kept putting it down and putting it aside because I thought, it was, it's, this is fear, devil, I resist you. And man, man, I was, I was, it just didn't, I just never had experienced anything like this before. I'm teaching at Hidden School one day. And I stepped off the platform 
And uh, my wife had gone that day to clean the apartment to get our to get our um, to get our uh, um, our um, deposit money back. And so um, she'd been gone most of the day, and uh, came back and found our house had been robbed and ransacked. And they got in the exact door. I, I was handed a note by an usher. Your house has been robbed. You need to come immediately. Your wife is with the police right now. Made me mad. Man, that made me mad. I got home, and my wife showed me exactly what happened. Found the tire iron underneath the couch. And uh, got in that exact door. Man, I was ticked. I was, I was, I was livid. And I called Brother Hagen up, and I said, Dad, I need to talk. He said, well, come on over. So I went to his house. I got done. He said, what's up? And I told him just exactly what I just told you. He said, uh, just kind of sat back a little bit and smiled just a little bit. Never forget as long as I live. And he said, um, do you remember that while you were living with me, that I changed all the, 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 the outside doors to solid core doors, put dead bolts on every single one of them? I said, yeah, I remember that because I helped clean up the mess after the workers were, you know, because I was living there at the time. And then he said these words, never forget as long as I live. I kept getting the same things you were getting, only I listened and you didn't. (laughs) I thought, yeah, that's exactly right. But you see, the story, the story gives, gives us access into some of these things. We can misinterpret some things. Are you all out there? I'll never forget as long as I live. Brother, Brother Keith talked about the fact that we're over a, a number of different ministers. We're over, over 2,000 ministers of the Army organization. There was a missionary that had come off the, off the field. They were living in Dallas. And they were making trips back and forth to Tulsa every once in a while. And they had to make a trip. And, um, and, and on the way, and on the way, what happened was, before the trip occurred, according to the wife, the husband kept saying to her, need to change out those tires before we make another long trip. Those tires are completely wore out. I need to change those tires out. Well, he got busy, didn't change the tire out, make a long story short, they're on their way to Tulsa. One of the tire blows. He rolls the van. He dies. She lives. Major hospital stay. She's now remarried and living well. Every time she sees me, she'll walk up to me and she said, you know, the only thing that I can think about when I think about my husband is his words, you need to change those tires. A lot of us are letting some of those things get away from us. That we, that we need, but here again, these are experiences that we need to be sharing with our, with our children and with our grandbabies. We need to be talking about some of these things. The more you talk about these things, the more of a license the people listening to you will have to be led of the Lord themselves. Brother Hagen gave me a license to expect the Spirit of God to lead me by his stories. Those stories were just amazing to me because all of a sudden it gave me permission to expect some of the same things to occur in my life. But what's happened is, what happened with our group was that a whole lot of us didn't have any stories, so we had to use his stories. But now we're getting four decades away from him in our first year of school, and now it's time for some of us who have had some stories to start telling our stories to where it becomes ours and not just a Brother Hagen story. Thank God for Brother Hagen's stories, but we need to hear from some of us old gray heads, bald heads. Are you listening to me? 
We need to be talking about some of these things. Give your kids some license to expect some of these things in their lives. Some of their grandbabies. Not only will He forewarn you. Number three, He'll lead you. Yes, He will. He'll forewarn you. Yes, He will. Number three, the third thing He'll do is He'll tweak your beliefs. The Spirit of God will tweak your beliefs. When I use the word tweak, a lot of you young folk, you're not going to know what this is all about. But back in the day, there used to be a thing called a tube radio. It had vacuum tubes in it. And, um, and back in those days, the radios didn't have bands. They just had one band. It was the AM band. And you had to, every once in a while, in those tube radios, you had to tweak the dial. You had to just, just make a little bit of an adjustment to get it on the right frequency in order to get a clear signal. When I talk about the Spirit of God will tweak your beliefs, I'm not talking about Him jumping you from the AM band to the FM band. I'm talking about Him making minor adjustments to get you where you need to be. Come on, guys. I learned this from Brother Hagen. Bed of affliction. 16, 17-year-old young man reading his grandmother's Methodist Bible. He gets into Mark, Mark chapter 5. Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and behold of thy plague. He'd, he'd been taught that healing had been done away with. He'd been taught that healing is no longer the will of God. But he read a verse. Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the moment he read that on that bed of affliction, on the inside he heard these words. Has faith been done away with? Brother Hagin sat there for a little bit and thought to himself, no. No, faith's not been done away with. Because if faith's been done away with, then you couldn't be saved. For by grace you're saved through faith. No, 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 faith's not been done away with. And the moment the Spirit of God tweaked him in that area, he did another little tweak, and he said these words. Well, if her faith can make her whole, then your faith can make you whole. And Brother Hagin saw it. So Brother Hagin started believing. I believe I'm going to get healed. I believe I'm going to be well. I believe I'm going to be strong. Three months later, he's still on the bed of affliction. Nothing's happened. Has Brother Hagin told the story? He gets over to Mark 5 again three months later. He starts reading the story of the woman with issue blood. Got down to verse, verse 34. Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and behold of thy plague. He said, the moment I read, he said, I got mad. I threw the grandma Methodist Bible at the foot of the bed. I pointed up in the sky and said, dear Lord Jesus, with all due respect, if you were to come down in the flesh and point your finger in my face and say to me I do, that you do not have faith, that you do not believe, I'd have to call you a liar. I do have faith. I do believe. And the Spirit of God spoke up on the inside and said these words, you do believe as far as you know. And led him to Mark 11, verse 24. What things soever you desire when you pray. See, he was, gonna, he was believing that he was going to get it. He wasn't believing that he had received it when he prayed. And Brother Hagin talks about that he received his healing, believing that he received when he's prayed. Within a short period of time, do you see the Spirit of God? There's times when the Spirit of God will tweak what you believe. Make minor adjustments. I'll never forget years ago, I was teaching a particular subject. It was a very popular subject for a lot of people. Big dogs were preaching it. Little dogs like me were preaching it. And I mean, you know... But, but the more I preached that lesson, every time I taught that lesson, two scriptures would rise up from within that contradicted what I was teaching on. And I kept pushing it aside. And I kept pushing it aside. I mean, every time I, ta I taught that at the school, 
I taught that on the road. And every time I kept getting, these two scriptures would just kind of pop up from my belly. And they contradicted what I was talking about. And my first thought was, if I, if I change this, if I correct this, you realize how many CDs or, D, or back in those days, cassettes I'm going to have to ask to be returned, you know? Because just had just glad you hadn't writ, written a book about it. And uh, so, uh, so, uh, uh, so I, I went along, kept pushing that down and pushing that down and pushing that down. I'm at a friend of mine's church in Oklahoma ministering. And I ministered on that subject uh, on a Sunday morning. And uh, sure enough, those two scriptures popped up on the inside of me again. And um, so after it was all said and done, now this, this, this lady, uh, her, 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 uh, his, his wife, had a gift store in a florist. My wife loves stuff like that, loves. She's a de- my wife's an amazing decorator. And, um, and so she, we wanted to go see the, 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 the decoration, the, the flower store. So they're showing, my wife and his wife are going all over the store. So I said to him while we were just standing, I said, well, what would you think? He said, I disagree with you completely. And so we started talking about it, talking about it. And so we kind of, we didn't argue about it, but, you know, we back and forth. And finally, I just said, all right, that did it. I'm ministering tonight, right? He said, yep, I'm going to prove you wrong. And so I got up that Sunday night to prove him wrong. The whole time I'm proving him wrong, here's those two scriptures all over again. I went ahead, ignored those two scriptures, got, 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 got finished up, went back to his office, and uh, as I'm laying the microphone down, well, what would you think of that? He said, I still think you're wrong. Now, this is one of my former students. This is, this is an individual that I taught in my classes. And I thought to myself, let the ignorant be ignorant still. And I just walked away. I didn't give any more thought to it. Didn't give a single... I, I, I didn't think anything more about it. Right. Two weeks later, I'm sitting in the Lazy Boy studying. Just by myself. And I'm studying on a totally different subject. And on the inside, I heard these words. He's right. You're wrong. And those two scriptures came up in my heart. I knew exactly where I had missed it. I mean... The mo- I thought I, I called him up. Oh, man of wisdom, full of glory and honor. You know what? What other things do you see in my ministry that I need to change? You know, and, and I just went on and on and on. The next day, I called the entire second year group together and I said, "Last year, I taught you blah 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 blah. It was wrong. This is the truth about that." So there were students in that classroom that thought I was playing with them. They thought it was a joke, and it was not no joke. I was wrong, and I knew I was wrong. Joe Dunnick, which is a minister, Brother Keith and Phyllis would know him, he had approached me about this subject years before that, tried to get me to see. I wouldn't listen to him. I pulled the first-year group together, said to them, I said, you know, I taught on this particular subject, but uh, I was wrong. Some of them thought I was kidding, but I had to correct it. There's times where the Spirit of God, not only will He lead you, not only will He forewarn you, but the Spirit of God will tweak some of your beliefs. Guys, He has to do that. Because we've been praying that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. If we, if we think we know it all, if we think we've already got it all in a basket, and we've all got it all already figured out, then we don't need to be praying that prayer anymore. But if you're praying that prayer on a regular basis, there are going to be some things that are going to be tweaked along the way. And we need to expect that by the Spirit of God. To fine-tune us about some things. The fourth thing. Not only will He lead us, not only will He forewarn us, not only will He tweak your beliefs,
But I found this to be true. The Spirit of God will tweak your attitudes. I'm talking about, listen guys, we need to share with our children the leadings of the Lord have, 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 have things to do with these other areas. It's not just about where to go and what to do. These are things that touch our lives on a daily basis. Beliefs need to be tweaked. There's, yeah, I know, there's individuals that are believing for healing. And they're expecting God to tell them to something to do. Go run. Go jump. When in reality, what the Spirit of God is trying to do is trying to tweak their belief, maybe through that minister that's ministering to them right now, maybe through that book that, that, that they're reading right now, but because they're looking for the go run a mile and you'll be healed. Or let the pastor hit you in the back and then you'll be healed and you up you go. Listen, guys, a lot of us just switching, changing, tweaking what we believe to get it right on frequency. Come on, guys. We can't, we can't, can't miss those opportunities. He's going to speak within us. But he'll also tweak your attitudes. Like Brother Key said, I've worked with Kenneth Hagin Ministries off and on. I, I, I was gone for five years, but let's just say that I've been there since 1975, or for 74. And um, I'm going on, I'm 42, 43 years now. And, um, you know, when you work with a, with a group that long, you see all the little quirks. You see all the little things. And so what was happening was I was letting some of those things get to me. And I, it, it, I, was, I, I began to allow an attitude about some of the things that Raymond was doing get to me. Nothing immoral, nothing illegal. Just, you know, well, I wouldn't do it that way. Or what do we do? I mean, that's going to be pretty unproductive, you know. And, and um, as if I saw the big picture, you know. I, but, yet, but yet I've got an attitude. And uh, during this same time, I hadn't verbalized it much, and it, hadn't, it wasn't affecting me with my students, but I knew I had an attitude about some things. And um, I was uh, 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 getting ready for a winter Bible seminar, and, and Lynette had decided to do a flag ceremony. And the students were going to dress in their native garb and carry the flag from the country that they'd come from and where, and where Rama grads have gone to from Rama since graduating. And every, all these flags of every state, of every country, of every nation throughout the world. And so I got there, and I didn't think nothing about it. It wasn't my deal. I didn't have anything to do with it. And so I didn't think much about it, you know. I wasn't for it. I wasn't against it. But here again, I got this attitude. And so now I'm going through Winter Bible Seminar. And, and uh, Thursday night comes, and we're going to have this flag ceremony. I normally sit in the seat, in the pew in front of the sound booth. That's where I sit. And I noticed that there was a piece of masking tape right down on the on the floor and I almost reached down to take it up and then I began there's another masking tape right here and then it went down to the center aisle down to the platform area so I thought well this is staging you know markers and so I left it be you know so here comes the music here comes the flags and all of a sudden I began man I know that I didn't know they were from that country wow I didn't know they dressed like that from that nation and I mean, they went by me. And there's a whole other group coming this way and a whole other group coming this way. And man, I mean, it's just one after another. And I started bawling like a baby. And I just happened to look down and that whole part of that, that, that platform was completely filled with flags. And they were up on the stage and they were all over everywhere. And I'm bawling like a baby. I've got to wipe my eyes. I'm trying to keep everybody from seeing what I'm doing. And I'm just crying so bad. 
And on the inside are heard these words, fruit is not the result of perfection, but it is the result of faithfulness. And I thought to myself, Jones, you're an idiot. Because if you're not real careful, you'll get, you'll get, you'll get the impression that fruit is the result of perfection. And it is not the result of perfection. It is the result of faithfulness. If there's anything that Rhema has been, they have been faithful. They have not been perfect. There's not an organization in the world that's perfect. Come on, guys. But when it comes to Rhema, we, we aren't perfect, but we have been faithful. And the moment the Lord said that to me, it changed my attitude about Rhema. Now I'm looking more at Rhema's faithfulness. Come on, guys. It changed, it changed me. It changed my attitude. Because you know as well as I do, when you're in key positions, you can't allow yourself to get, if you will, uh, uh, tainted by some of these smutty, if you will, attitudes about, 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 what's, about, what's, about what's going on. You can't allow yourself. You can't allow yourself. You, you go ahead and you function in your role. And you give it your best completely. A hundred percent in every way, shape, and form. And you don't get taken up. You know, I tell my staff all the time, I don't have anything to do with a quarter of an inch above this scalp right here. But everything below this scalp, on down, including you all, we're going to do it at our best. We're, we're going to be our best. And so the thing about it, he'll tweak your attitudes. And if you've had that happen in your life, you need to share that with your children. Because there's also going to be attitudes they're going to have to allowed to be tweaked by the Spirit of God. Come on. You need to talk to them about the times that you've been forewarned. Share those times with them. Share those times with them. Share the times where He's tweaked your beliefs. Lastly, He'll give you insight into situations. He'll give you insight into situations. Learn this the hard way. My son, when he was 17, 18, 16... Copped an attitude. He never got off immorally, never got off with drinking or drugs or anything like that, but he copped a major attitude. Had a major attitude toward his wife, toward, toward, toward his mother, had a major attitude toward me, and just. And um, so finally he broke curfew one, one too many. And uh, I waited up for him, and I let him have it when he walked through that door. And I'm screaming and hollering and, and uh, he's screaming and hollering and my wife's up now, my daughter's up now and, and I mean I'm letting my son have it. And all of a sudden out of the clear blue my son raised his hands up, screamed like I've never heard him scream ever before in my life and turned around and ran into the, through the hallway into his bedroom and slammed the door and that was the end of it. My wife's mad at me now. My daughter's mad at me. They, they go off into their bedrooms. I'm standing out there by myself. And I started praying to the Lord. Lord, I'm in trouble. I need some help with my family. I slipped into bed next to my wife. My wife's asleep. My daughter's asleep. My son's asleep. Two o'clock comes around. I'm wide awake laying in that bed confrontation in me, I've never been good at it. I just It wears on me. It just gnaws at me. It, just, it can make me physically ill. And um, so, so I'm thinking to myself, well, who do we go to for help? 
Well, I couldn't go to... They wouldn't know what to tell me. They, no, they, I could not find one person that I knew that I thought could help me with my situation. Not one. Three o'clock comes around. I'm still wide awake. I'm worried about this. Who's going to help my family? How do I get my family through this crisis? Who, who can I tap into for wisdom? And all of a sudden, on the inside, I heard these words. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. I thought to myself, Jones, you're an idiot. You've been, you've been laying here for the last hour and a half, two hours probably, worrying about this thing. So what to do? You haven't even sought God about this thing. And all I said, all I said was this. What about it? And the moment I said what about it, I saw what happened. I saw it. And I thought, oh my Lord. And so um, I went to sleep like a baby. About six o'clock in the morning, I went ahead and rolled out of bed and got my wife out of bed. And we went to the bathroom and I started telling her what the Lord showed me. And uh, I started crying. She started crying. We walked back to the bedroom and my son got to his bed. And we noted his bed. Bubby, you need to wake up. He's all droggy-eyed, you know. And all, you know, kids back in those days, you know, they, that age, it's hard to get them up even at 10 o'clock in the morning. Much less 6, 6.15. And so I said, son... I said, the first thing that we need to talk about is this, is I need you to forgive me. Man, he woke up wide awake. He said, Dad, what are you talking about? I said, you need to forgive me. He said, what are you talking about? I said, the Lord showed me that while I was correcting you about the curfew, that I piled on a whole bunch of stuff that I've been holding back talking to you about. And while I'm at it, let me tell you about this. And I'm going to talk to you about this area that I've been talk, wanting to talk to you about for the last three weeks about. And, and then I'm going to bring up this. And the Lord said to me, have I ever piled on to you? How many of you know if the Lord wanted to pile on, he could pile on? If the Lord wanted to bring up everything he's ever wanted to talk to us about that he hasn't been able to get, get our attention about, how many of you know he could pile on pretty tough? He said, you're piled on. I've never done that to you. You don't do it to him. And so I said, son, I said, I apologize. But when it comes to the issue of the curfew, you were wrong and you will pay dearly. (laughs) And he did. How many of you understand this, guys? Come on. I'm talking about, he'll give you insight into situations. He'll give you insight. And your spiritual maturity will engage that verse, if any man lack wisdom, before anybody else can nudge you to do it yourself. I mean, if you know, guys, your maturity is a self-initiator. When it's mature, when, when you're strong in the Lord, and, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you come in and you encounter those types of things, I tell you what, those, those things will be self-initiated. Ask God for wisdom. And man, the moment I did, you piled on. So the saying in our home is always this. You keep the issue the issue. How many of you have ever talked to, have, how many of you have ever talked to anybody and, um, you know, all of a sudden they bring, well, you never even gave me a Christmas card. And you, they missed my birthday too. Much less the anniversary. Married 40 years, you didn't give us an anniversary card. How many of you know, guys, you don't pile on. You keep the issue the issue. You keep the issue the issue. You keep the issue the issue. 
Are you all out there? And so the thing about it is, the Lord helped me. But here again, the things that the Lord has given you insight about, maybe it's work-related. Maybe it's relative-related. You need to be talking about those things to your children. Because when they become adults, guys, I'm telling you, we're too silent with our kids. We're waiting for everything to happen from the church. It's time we begin engaged within our children's lives and our grandbabies' lives. Start sharing with them some of the things that the Lord, that we have seen and that we've experienced. Can I have an amen? John chapter 14, we'll close. Y'all doing okay tonight? That generation, there arose a generation that knew not the Lord. So guys, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to bring them along with us. Brother Hagin brought us along with him. He, 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 He told me one day in the kitchen... Mark Brzee and I were sitting in the kitchen. Well, we weren't sitting. We were washing dishes. And, um, and he said to us, he said, boys, I'm going to tell you one thing right now. If you don't go further than what I have gone, I'll kick you. And he meant it. We should be that with our children. But he brought us along with stories. He rehearsed events that occurred in his life. Can't allow it just to be happening from here. Thank God for the, for the godly minister that you have standing before you every, every Sunday and every Friday. Thank, you guys are very rare breed to have such a, such a gift. But I'm sorry, it's not going to just be all about Pastor Keith's responsibility to see to it that your children are as vibrant in their faith as you are in yours. John chapter 14. Very familiar passage. John 14. Real close. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father. And he shall give you, underline it, another comforter. Sure, you've been taught by Brother Keith that the word another means after the same sort, after the same manner. What Jesus is saying to us is simply this, is that what I have been to you, the Holy Ghost will be to you when he comes. In other words, there's not a single solitary assistance that I have provided for you that he will not provide for you when he comes. And is it not true that Jesus provided for his disciples, did he not provide them direction? Did he not provide them insight into situations? Did he not provide them tweaked attitudes? Did he not provide for them tweaked beliefs? And did he not forewarn them of impending danger? The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will do all those things that he did for his disciples. He'll do that for each and every one of us. I want to encourage you tonight that when you go home and you're just in your quiet time, start rehearsing. Start looking back. I think you'll be as shocked as I was that the Lord has been much more involved in my life than I would have ever imagined it. But once you realize that, then we need to start talking about those things to our children, our grandbabies. Our friends even need to hear some of these things. 
Now, does that mean that every time you get around your kids, you're supposed to go? No. But there's just times when it's right. You talk to them on purpose. Let me share some things that mom and I experienced with the Lord, experiences that we've had with him, things that we've seen. You bring them along. Give them license. So, Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness and for your mercy. We'll just pray, Father, for each and every one of us. We do have some family responsibilities. We're members of your family. And so, Father, we do have some family responsibilities. We're to love one another. and We're to forgive one another. And we're, to, we're, we're, to, we're to honor one another. And we're to re- restore one another. And we're to teach one another. But, but, Father, we're also supposed to bring up our children in the way that they should go. Not just by example, but by words also. And talk. Talk about you as we sit. Talk about you as we lay down. Talk about you as we... And so, Father, I thank you that you'll help each and every one of us to remember the things that you have given to us by your Spirit over the process of the years past. And, Father, I thank you that you'll reveal to each one, Father, how good you have been to them, how faithful you have been to them, how reliable you've been to them. And may it empower them to expect more of the same to come in the days ahead. And, Father, and to look for him to guide us and lead us and direct us. And, Father, we thank you for these things. Father, we can pray blessings upon this congregation. We thank you, Father, that we're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. Thank you for Sister uh, Phyllis and Brother Keith, the leadership of this church. We're so grateful, Father. Bright light, strong light. And, Father, I thank you that it gains brighter and brighter. Glory and bring glory to you, furthering your kingdom. And, Father, we give you the glory. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for him in our lives. We expect him to move and be with us in all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, and everyone said? Amen. God bless you. Brother Keith. It's been my honor. Thank you so much.